All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're tuned in to Oilers Nation every day with Tyler Uramchuk, live every weekday on the Nation Network YouTube. Back from the All-Star break and ready to go in the, well, unofficial second half of the season. Down the stretch come the Edmonton Oilers. Let's get into it with the lead. Welcome into Oilers Nation every day, streaming live on the Oilers Nation Facebook, Twitter, and on the Nation Network YouTube. Happy to have everyone back in the chat after a weekend off, an all-star weekend off. We are back comfortably in the Sports Closet Studio. They got reverse retro gear there and there. Just because the Oilers aren't wearing it again doesn't mean you can't pick up the swag. They got sweet jackets, sweet merch, sportscloset.ca. Also, Super Bowl, Eagles fans, Chiefs fans. Whatever you need, Sports Closet has you covered. Check them out online or in one of their three locations in the Edmonton area. Tomorrow is a Sherwood Ford Giant game day on the show as well. That logo will be right there. Oilers wings tomorrow. We'll chat about that a little bit. We're also going to be joined by Daniel Nugent Bowman, DMB from The Athletic. He's going to swing by, make his show debut. Me and him have been talking for a long time about doing something together. And finally, finally, we were able to make it line up. So DMB is going to hop on the show in about 15 minutes to chat about deadline and things like that. Our guy Rusty is in with his fir- with the first comment of the day. He says, game day tomorrow. I'm so excited. I've missed Oilers hockey. I'm so stoked to have it back. It's going to be a fun push to the playoffs. It absolutely is. But before we look forward, I want to look back a little bit. And I'm going to bring in Liam, who... Liam, you, uh, I think you won our bet about the skills comp, didn't you? I did. I got the Avechkin one, 
Ovechkin and Crosby, and I can't remember the other one I got. Do you remember? I got oh, it doesn't two. matter because I was wrong on every single one of them. So mm, I have got the you know? perfect outfit for you, Tyler. The perfect. Outfit. I am very. Do you have a day this week? I'm gonna have to do it. <sighs> I was thinking about that. I was thinking maybe let's not do it tomorrow. Let's maybe do it Thursday. I was going to say, don't do it on the day Frank's on the show because he would kill me. Um, but if you missed our show on Friday, Liam and I picked winners for every skills competition event. And the agreement mm. was whoever gets the most right gets to choose an outfit for the other person. So we're going to commit to Thursday. Let's do Thursday. I think that's a good okay. day. Sounds good. I love it. Uh, it was all-star weekend. I had a good time down in Florida. Uh, for me, the best moments were anything that didn't involve an actual on-ice event because those flat-out sucked. Uh, <laughs> did you spend any time this weekend watching this stuff, Liam? I watched I watched the Pacific play on Saturday against who they play, the Central, and that was yeah. kind of about it. And just saw highlights throughout, and I thought, man, this looked fine at best. At best. So the game itself, I actually didn't have like a huge beef with. I thought, you know, it's three on three. It's whatever. I do think mm. the players could maybe try a little bit harder. It just seems like there's not a ton of buy-in from these guys. But I mean, come on. They're in Florida. They got time off. They're going out. I'm, I, I think energy levels were a little bit low, especially by the time you get to Saturday. And they've all been in Florida since Wednesday or Thursday. So again, some of the plays like that, I mean, right, a little flyby, whatever. The skills on display, at least in this game, and when there are chances, yeah. they pull off some pretty nice plays, and I think that's fine. The skills competition is actually what I had the biggest beef with in this whole thing. And no, I'm not going to sit here and be like, "Oh, it's garbage that McDavid didn't win the accuracy shooter and Kadri was over the line; he was cheating." Because I mean, I really don't care about who wins the events, but that evening is a chance to do a handful of things. You can. You know, it's a spectacle in the sense that you can showcase the skills for players. I love this. An arrow pointing to where he's releasing the puck from. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, we're salty. Oh, these fans are salty. That's fine. Um, but it's a chance to not only showcase the skills these players have, and you can do that. Like McDavid going four for four here, that's sick. That kind of video going viral is great for the league. It's also supposed to be a bit of a chance to like show off some personalities from players around the league. And you want it to be action packed. There you go, Kadri. You want it to be action packed. And I just, yeah, like his, both his feet are above the line. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Whatever. I, I really, like I said, I really don't care that much about it. Um, it's supposed to be action packed. Instead, the NHL drags this thing out over three hours. And I get that, you know, ESPN wants that long, fill more ads, sell more, blah, blah, blah. Good for business. But it's actually not really good for business if people are just tuning out after an hour because they're bored as hell. People in the arena were leaving halfway through this thing because they were bored as hell. So I actually have ways that I think they can fix the skills competition. One would be you, you need some sort of buy-in from the players. Like when they were doing that little breakaway drill and guys were just lightly tapping it around, it was garbage. It was boring to watch. I would get rid of the fastest skater event. No more. Do we really like, is that really showcasing skills of the players? Like, oh, this guy did it in 14 1, this guy did it in 14 3. It's just not that exciting. And the players clearly don't want to do it. Bunch of guys opted out, Kaprizov and McDavid. I just, I think you could skip on that event as a whole, pick some more unique events, 
and shorten it. This thing should be 90 minutes tops. And I just mm-hmm. felt like sitting in the arena, it was like, okay, so they do fastest skater and then ESPN goes to commercial break. And in the arena, everyone's just kind of more or less sitting there. And they're like slowly changing up the events for the pre-taped events, which were the one on the beach and the one on the golf course. I like those. I think they're neat. Showcase the city you're in a little bit. Why not? But they would play those, stop playing them, and then begin setting up for the next event. Like it needed to move a lot quicker than it did. So I don't know. I give the skills competition like a giant F on not just the NHL, but on the players too, because you need to understand your role in this. Go out there and like try a little bit. Yeah, you got your beers in your bio steel cups and the goalies were sitting there with red solo cups. That's hilarious. I love it. Get a beer partner next year and actually just let the players crush beers on the ice. It'd be great. But then it needs to lead. The trade-off needs to be, if you're the players, actually look like you're having an ounce of fun and not just out there like serving a sentence. Do you think that what, – what, what, you were obviously there. So what was the event that fans were actually like excited about? What was the one that people like cheered about the most in the ring? I would have thought it would have been the fastest skater, to be honest. No, like the fastest skater really didn't. This one we're watching right now with Stuart Skinner scoring the goal from the other end. The fans were oddly really into the goalies shooting from the other end of the ice. But then this Mm. part of it was just brutal, like three on O's. Who cares? Why are we even doing that? I think you can make things way better. I think one thing that would get the fans involved and also get the players going a little bit is... Do like a 5v5 sort of relay, which I know they've done in the past, right? Where guys had to like saucer pucks into the mini nets. But take a quarter million dollars and spread it out amongst the event winners, right? Like take 50 grand for kind of your biggest five events. I know it's like a small sum of money for those guys. If it's like, hey, for the five on five relay, every player is getting 10 grand. But then for the players, there's a little bit of juice behind that. And, you know, you give it to a charity after you look good, like throw some money behind the skills events, do something to get the players actually caring a little bit. Because listen, I get, and I'm a big proponent of like, you do not need to make the all-star game mean anything from the perspective of like playoffs or what. It's not supposed to be meaningful, but it does need to be a showcase and there needs to be a bit more by it. I was disappointed on the all-star events even though the weekend in Florida, I think the NHL did a really good job taking advantage of the beach. They really activated kind of the entire community in Fort Lauderdale. Gary Bettman said it was a record for them in terms of the amount of guests they had as a league come down for the event as well. So again, there was a lot to like, but the events themselves sucked. I guess some like closing thoughts on it. I think the best way for the NHL to actually get the most out of the skills competition is to actually have players that want to be there. It doesn't need to be the actual all-stars. The NBA does the exact same thing, and their skills competition is fantastic every single year. The slam dunk contest is probably one of the biggest events in sports every year, no? Like, people want to watch that because they actually have players that go to it and that care about putting on a show for the fans. Like you said, like, players don't, like, come McDavid dropped out with the fastest skater. Everyone knows he's the fastest skater in the NHL. But he didn't even want to be there. So it's just about stuff like that. Like you need guys who want to participate. Like Trevor Zegers and Jack Hughes did a great job last season in the, the breakaway yeah. challenge or whatever they did, right? Like, that was entertaining. This year we had David Pasternak dress up as, what was it, Happy Gilmore and slightly tap the puck into the net. Like the Kachucks call out all these guys and then they all just sit there and don't even participate. And it's just like... What are we even what are we even doing here? How is this television? You're just wasting people's times. But I think it's just a way to do it. They the game itself kind of 
is what it is. I wish there was more to it though. Like you didn't just like, there should be more to it. Like teams that can't just play once and get eliminated. Like people go to the watch McDavid and Dreisaitl and whoever else, right? Crosby. And then they're all done after the first round of games. Like, come on, like there's gotta be a better way to actually get players moving. Like wasn't the skills competition was probably longer than the actual games. No, I think the games, it started at three and I didn't get out of the rink until seven. So it was okay. about, no, you're, it was, they're about the same. They're both about three hours. Um, that's too long. That is way, 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 way too long. The 20 minute games are cool, but you need to have the first and second ones be like, bang, bang. They're done in the first hour. Do fallout boy. The final's done. And it's a two hour event. Again, it just, everything mm-hmm. was dragged on. Like they would play in that three on three for like three and a half minutes. And then they'd come out to shovel the ice. I'm like, the players are barely skating. Why do we need to shovel the ice? It's a 10-minute period. It's fine. Just let them play the rest of the half and then do a dry scrape. It was just a lot of really kind of weird stuff this weekend and stuff that I don't understand why the Mm. NHL did it the way they did. Even with the skills comp and like the whole advancing to a final later that evening. Okay, so the NHL's perspective is like, oh, we're going to build up drama, right? But no one's like, oh, moving to the edge of my seat. Boy, I, I can't turn away because I need to know who wins between Svechnikov and Fiala and the fastest skater. I can't sleep. No one cares. The excitement is in the moment. Fastest skater. Boom. Done. There's your winner. Accuracy shooter. Boom. Done. The moment of McDavid walking off the accuracy shooting going four for four. If the event would have ended then and McDavid won, it would have been cool, man. The arena would have gotten into it. They did kind of get into it when he went four for four. But like, then you try this gimmicky head to head thing. Like, I don't know. Just a lot of, it, I know Loomis says it's so they run ads. Yeah, sure. But you're just, you're weakening your product. Yeah. I, I guess quickly before we get to Daniel Nugent Bowman, Tyler, you were in the room when Gary Batman did his, his press conference and they announced Toronto yep. and everything. Like, what did you kind of think of all that? What was the reaction around what he actually said that day? Because didn't he actually announce yeah, that be- the All-Star game would be 2014 in Toronto? He did. He said, we're happy to announce the 2014 All-Star Games going to Toronto. And then like there was a pause and everyone looked at each other and Bill Daly was like, uh, 2024. And Gary kind of laughed and was like, oh, here, I'll redo that so you all have the good soundbite. And then he said, like his whole <laughs> spiel again with 2024. It was actually pretty funny. I'm always, whenever I'm in those things with Batman, and I've been in three now, I'm always surprised that he's actually kind of funny in person. Like he jokes around quite a bit in those press conferences, which I I think is fine. Um, What else did he talk about? No update on the salary cap. The Mm. update he gave on the Ottawa Senators was exactly what you'd expect. There was the TV numbers in the States. He said exactly what you expected him to. He backed them, said even though ratings are down, viewership's up, that's all they care about. So sure, there was nothing that I heard though that was like, whoa that's groundbreaking or like oh that's big news we need that like written about right now it was just very bad i liked that some of the media pushed back on him with the provorov and the new york rangers thing i think that was good um but again bettman gave the responses that you absolutely they were lawyered up responses is what i felt for a lot of that so no real updates i don't know it was just yeah that's kind of what it's kind of what it felt like it felt like the biggest news was the fact the all-star game is now in toronto next year and then Twitter just expanded to how are we going to make it so like they do the stuff outside. And most people suggested just dunking the players in a river if they miss the shot or whatever. So we'll see if that one occurs. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, 
relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Um, Dan O'Toole actually had a good idea. And he brought up, man, do it at, uh, do it at the Rogers Center. Do it at the Sky Dome. And just mm, he cool. said for the skills comp, you could actually have like all the events like pre-set up in different spots. Bag Milk's trying to throw me off right now on the other side of the room. And I'm trying to get through a point here, BM, trying to do a live show. Um, but you could have all the different events like pre-set up. And then the game could be in a dome with like a bunch of people. Maybe it helps the atmosphere. I don't know. I thought that was a decent idea. Um, mm. and I think we've spent more than enough time talking about All-Star Weekend, though, because it don't matter anymore. Your Oilers are gearing up for the second half of the season. The playoff push is on. If you still believe the top spot in the division is up for grabs, and sure, the race for the top spot in the Pacific is on. And to chat about it all, we have our friend Daniel Nugent Bowman from The Athletic, whose appearance is brought to you by Star Mechanical, one of the top new home plumbing installers over the last 20 years. DMB, welcome Oilers Nation every day. How was your time off? How was your break, man? Well, I have two young kids, so that was my time off. And I know you're talking about uh, All-Star Week our weekend. I hope you don't ask me too many questions because I didn't watch much of it. So I hope you had a fun time down there, Tyler. But uh, yeah, it was a good, good, good excuse to go skating with the, with my daughter and I don't know, do other things that dads do on the weekend. Do literally anything but watch the all-star events. Cause they were brutal. When I like, I, again, I was down there when I rank my favorite moments of the weekend, whatever number is on that list, the last one is skills competition and second last is the actual game. Like the festivities are fun, but the on ice product themselves are just kind of junk. So we can put those in the past. Uh, coming out of the break though, I was chatting a little bit with McDavid and Drysidle down at All-Star and they both kind of said like for the team, the break kind of came at a bad point. They were building up a lot of momentum. What do you think this, I'll get, I'll just, say the state of the team coming out of the break here do you think there should be any concern that maybe they have kind of had that momentum zapped i mean you you could think of it that way my my counter would be i mean this could be the easiest road trip in the history of the league coming up <laughs> you know four games against non uh teams that have no chance really to make the playoffs i guess ottawa has a, has a small outside chance but but really i mean if you can you know eight eight points are on the table here you got to get at yeah. least six. Um, I mean, if, if for a team that had the success going seven zero and one ahead of the or before the All Star break, 
uh, to, to have this coming out of it. And even, even so, I mean, there's only a couple of tough games the rest of the month. Um, this is a really big time for them to make some hay and, and uh, they've already caught up really in the division, but I would think by the end of the month, they could be in first place in the division. So I, I get what, um, you know, McDavid and Drysaddle would have been saying there, uh, you know, it's, it's a fair point, but my counter would be that um, they have uh, some, 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 uh, you know, a lighter schedule uh, coming out of the break and for the rest of the month that they can really, uh, you know, put themselves in a good spot ahead of the trade deadline to, uh, to, uh, you know, for, to convince their GM to maybe make a move or two. And we'll chat about some potential moves here in a bit. The break also gave them maybe a chance to get a little bit healthier. Do you have an update? Was there any update on Kyler Yamamoto down at the skate recently? Well, he he did. Um, he has been skating. He started to skate, obviously, before the uh, the bye week. Uh, he skated yesterday and today. Uh, from what I understand, he has made the trip um, uh, out east with the team. And uh, the earliest he would be able to return would be Sunday. So, I mean, there's still three games between that time. Um, you know, anything could happen. There could be another injury, uh, tra- like who knows. But the, the key, obviously, point for is, you know, when Yamamoto comes back, uh, when he's able to come back, when he's cleared to play, uh, they're going to have to make a move. They have to clear some cap space uh, to be able to activate him. He obviously he makes $3.1 million for this year. That's his cap hit. Uh, according to Puckpedia, they have uh, $1.125 million in space. So they got to clear, you know, they're closing in on $2 million. Uh, worth of room uh, to be able to to activate Kyler Yamamoto. Uh, you know, everyone knows the 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 um, the names that are that are mentioned most often when it comes to trying to create cap space, and that's Yessi Puliarvi, uh To you know, almost uh, the same extent, but maybe a little bit lesser. Warren Fogle, uh, and then there's some bit pieces. That, you know, that you'd have to kind of tr- get rid of more of them. Guys making less than a million dollars to to have that equate and, and to be able to activate Yamamoto. So yeah, there's there's some interesting decisions to be made over this this next week. And uh, you know, the way Yamamoto's going, and again, the fact that he has um, made the road trip uh, to be activated at the earliest Sunday, the last game of the trip, means you would think he'd, he could be going as soon as Sunday. So uh, you got six days or so to to figure this out and, and uh, create some room. So Ken Holmes and Jay Woodcroft have, have a lot to think about. This team's really turned it around in the last month. You mentioned 7-0-1 before the break. And McDavid made a comment uh, over the weekend that he felt like the game that really turned around their season was actually that loss to LA when they were really good at 5-on-5, five five, but the PK was junk and the power play was terrible. What I pulled from that game is they seem to wake up and feel like they could start standing up for themselves and for each other. We had the three fights in that game with Costin uh, Hyman and Yessa Pugliarvi. When you look at this team as a whole over the last month, what have been kind of the big changes or things you attribute to them turning their season around? Well, I'm, I'm not a big you know fight guy, but I think the, the point that you make, Tyler, about team toughness is, is a good one. I, I mean, they now have a bunch of guys that you know, are willing to stand up physically. Obviously, Evander Kane coming back uh, is is big as well. Um, so now, you know, you look up, up and down the lineup and there's some guys that, that um, you know, have a bit more, you know, heft to them. So, you know, you look at Vincent DeArnay, certainly Clint Costin has, has come in uh, and been a big factor in that regard. Um, I mentioned Kane. Yes, Puliarvi, you know, <laughs> although he was their fight leader for a time, uh, certainly not a guy that you would think of in that regard, but certainly a, a very physical player uh, who doesn't get enough, I don't think, credit for that. But, you know, the way he battles in the corners and hits guys. Uh, Darnell Nurse, uh, you know, they have some guys. Um, 
I would uh, obviously I, I mentioned the the kind of the strength of schedule or lack thereof uh, being to their their benefit. That certainly helps. But getting Kane back's been huge. Uh, also having uh, you know they've used. I think since that time or shortly thereafter, they've used 11-7 exclusively. And I think that really works well for this team as they're trying to figure out themselves and, and ahead of the deadline. You know, you're trying to work in a guy like Vincent D'Arnais. Um, uh, you, know, you know, they've been able to use him a little bit with Nurse, a little bit with, with Brett Kulak. Uh, the emergence of that bottom pairing, um, uh, Bouchard and, and Broberg has been really positive. Uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, I wrote about him just before the break. Uh, or during the All-Star Week break, rather, uh, just his ability to drive a line has been uh, more prevalent than any point, really, in his Oilers career. And now, you know, he's, you know, on a second-slash-third line, depending on how the lineup shakes up, generally with a guy like uh, Clem Costin, who was basically an outcast and, and a, a lost player for, for the Blues, and Matthias Janmark, who's been a journeyman player, a defensive player his whole career. So, yeah, I mean, they're, they're obviously shooting above, uh, you know, their their career norms and, and uh, you know, they're, they're gonna, there's going to be some regression there, but um, Nugent Hopkins play has been, has been tremendous. Uh, I think kind of an underrated or under appreciated point of, of the Oilers season. Um, and obviously, the, I mean, the big guns continuing to do what they're doing. So there's a lot of, of, of factors, Jack Campbell too, um, playing a bit better. Finally. Um, I think, I think there's a lot of factors that have worked to the Oilers benefit over the last you know few weeks. And uh, I think, there's no reason to 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 think that most of them can't continue, uh, you know, for the rest of this month. Northside Lance is in the chat. You mentioned eleven and seven, and he says the Oilers should eleven and seven their way to a Stanley Cup. Do you view that strategy as something that can work long term, or is that as the Oilers head into the deadline, should they be looking to shape their roster in a way that they can go with the more conventional twelve and six on a consistent basis? Yeah, I don't. I don't think they need to shape the roster accordingly. Uh, just just to go to twelve and six. I mean, everyone knows. You know, I, th- I think it's not a definite, but they are likely to make an upgrade on defense. Uh, yeah. Now, if that means trading Broberg or or uh, whether it's Dayharney, I don't know. Uh, you know, it could be six defensemen that they rely on more. More um, they have. I don't know, more faith than is the right term, but, uh, you know, up front there, there could be some tweaks as well, but at least right now, I really like it again for, for working in those guys, uh, whether it's, um, Deharnay or, or being able to kind of take out CC or, um, um, Barry, who's, whose ice time has diminished a bit under this format. Um, but it also up front, it allows obviously Nugent Hopkins, uh, you know, to move up from having, you know, being with, with Costin, uh, and Yanmark to to playing a more offensive role, so he doesn't have to exclusively play with those guys. Uh, you can move Drysaddle and McDavid around, put them on the same uh, line. You can give Drysaddle and McDavid more ice time uh, in terms of uh, playing with some lesser players as well. It gives it, it kind of works more to their their strengths because those you want to give those guys more ice time, and you want to give them uh, ice time um, when maybe teams aren't expecting it, when opponents aren't expecting yeah. it. So I I really like it for their current setup. Um, you know, I, I don't again I don't think they should be uh, tweaking their team just to stick with it or to, to go to 12 and six, they should be acquiring uh, better players that, that suit their needs for the short and long term. And, and if that, you know, means that they need to go to 12 and six or stay with 11, seven, then so be it. Uh, they should just be about getting the team better. Getting the team better. One name that is certainly getting talked about a lot is Jacob Chikrin. And I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's not quite, I wouldn't call it polarizing the discussion around Chikrin, who, as you can see here, is number three on Frank Saravalli's latest trade targets list. 
you're a big like you're a big believer in Chikorin though, right? Like you think he's a solution for this team? I do. Uh to me, like Philip Roberts played really well the last few weeks. So and and I've never been one to uh think that they should be shopping this player. I mean, you know, obviously it's been a while since he he was he's been drafted where we have to go back to 2019. Um, you know, we, I think some people would like would would have expected or hoped that he'd be a little bit further along by this point, but you're really starting to see some strides um uh, in this player the last few weeks. Uh and and again, the the fact that he's young, he's still in his entry level contract, you shouldn't be shopping this player. Now, having said that, I mean, if that's what it takes to get a guy like Chikrin, you know, you got to think long and hard about it. Um, Chikrin's 24. He turns, I believe he turns 25 this year at some point. Um, but he, he's got a sweetheart deal for this year and two more. Um, you know, and he's, he's a solid top two, like a, a top four defenseman. Um, and to me, you know, there are other names out there, whether it's Edmondson or uh, Gavrikov or all these guys on the left side. I think that player that they acquire needs to be better than, um, unequivocally better than Brett Kulak. Uh, otherwise, what's the point? Because you have an emerging player like Broberg, you have you have uh, Kulak. Both those guys are, are good players. I, I don't know if they're unequivocal top four players at this point. So to me, you, mm-hmm. you have to get a guy that is going to push those guys down. Like I, ideally, you know, you'd you would be getting uh, that player without having to move out Broberg. I don't know if that's possible, but uh, that way, you know, Broberg could either be in the minors, uh, he can be injury insurance, he can maybe push Kulak out, or we know he can play the right side a little bit too. So it gives them some more options. Uh, but to me, again, like they they need to upgrade the defense. Uh, you might as well get a guy who who fits all you know checks you know checks all the boxes in terms of the age the salary uh the skill sets that he brings uh he could push darnell nurse a bit for the top side on, the, on that left um or the top spot on the left side rather i i do get you know there are some fans that that think that um you know the number or the, the right side of the defense is just as much of a problem as the left and i would take that but i just don't see how with with uh the team's unwillingness to trade uh, tyson berry uh where we got two more years uh under contract in terms of what the oilers have rather uh of cody cc and unless you want to move out to evan bouchard uh i don't see that right side really getting 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 tweaked so you're left with the left and uh to me if you're going to get a left side defenseman it's got to be someone good and to me that's jacob chicken yeah, unless they stick with the 11 and 7 approach and you're getting a lefty who is going to almost like platoon with Kulak in a way. You keep Broberg in the lineup. But I agree with you with the take on the right side. Like, I just look at that and I go, Cody Cece's fighting it a little bit right now. But there was a stretch early in, in October where I felt like he was their best defenseman. Tyson Berry, if you look at the year as a whole, has somehow been their most consistent D-man you could argue at both ends of the ice. It's been crazy how well he's played this year. And I'm not a fan of giving up on guys like Bouchard either. So the left side, I think, is where they got to focus. A couple more deadline ones for you. I'm going to give you three areas that I think the Oilers need to upgrade their roster. And I want you to rank them in the likelihood that you think they'll happen. So I will say a good middle six center, a depth winger, and a defenseman. Rank those. Well, defenseman to me would be number one. Now, okay. again, I've reported that it kind of depends on how Broberg and and DeHarnay do. If they continue to play well, and there's some uh, there, there's some kind of uncertainty about this theory because again, the strength of schedule. 
But if they do really well over these next few, you know, few weeks or, or for the deadline, they might not do much at all on defense. Now, that's 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 a that's a bit of a gamble, uh, but I still think they will upgrade the defense. Now, to me, I've been told that their next um, priority for a better that center spot. Um, I think. You know, they, there was some interest in Bull Horvat, and clearly they weren't, you know, willing to, to, to pony up in terms of what the Islanders did, uh, both in terms of uh, prospect capital and, and, and all that, and, and a roster player. But also, I can't see how they would have been able to retain Horvat at eight times, whatever it was, eight or eight and a half, uh, that the Islanders did. Um, so, you know, the name I put out there, and, and I had heard that there's some interest in was Jonathan Taves. They'd obviously have to get that at least half, if not quartered, uh, to be able to make that work. But the thought would be, you know, Taves could play the third line center, Nugent Hopkins second, and then you could load up McDavid and Drysaddle uh, on the top line. Uh, we saw how that worked against Calgary uh, with having a bit more depth. You would think that would be all that more beneficial to the team. Now, your last one uh, in terms of depth winger, you know, if obviously they are getting rid of whether it's Pugliarvi or Fogel um, to make a trade work or to clear space just to activate Yamamoto, you know, that that weakens their depth, which um, for the large part of the Ken Holland era, and obviously even before that as well, has been a real soft spot, a, a real um, deficiency of this team. So you think they need to, would need to bring in someone. And and clearly, you know, they don't really have that guy on the farm. Um, Raphael Lavoie has, has made some strides re- recently. I don't think you're expecting him to come in at this point and be a, a bottom six winger on a, on a hopeful Stanley Cup contender. I don't think... Um, uh, Borgo was there yet, Xavier Borgo, uh, and certainly the recent cap implications of trying to bring him up with his uh, being on his entry level deal with bonuses. So, yeah, you, you might want to try to find a depth guy. I, you know, I think that would be an easier thing to do than the other two, certainly. You know, depth wingers uh, tend to be more of a, of a dime a dozen than the other uh, quantities there, uh, that you mentioned. Um, but I think in terms of priorities, it would be um, the defenseman the center, and then the easiest one to come by, which might be kind of what they end up doing if they can't kind of um, make a trade for the other two or one of the other two would be your, would be your depth winger. And quickly, one more. Someone asked me this yesterday, and I've been chewing on it all day. Over, under, three and a half trades for the Oilers between now and deadline day. I'd say under. It's good. Uh, I just can't see them make, making four trades. Um there's just they don't have much to move out and they're obviously they're so far up against it and the cap um you look at their their roster and you know it's tough to trade out a significant piece mm-hmm. uh when you're when you're a contender but anyone making five million or more has has no move either no movement clause or no trade mm-hmm. clause and then your other your other key key pieces that i haven't mentioned are again or, or just mentioned off the uh, you know very um yeah very briefly would be like CC Kulak. I don't think you're moving those two guys. So you really, you're, you're looking at uh, Pooley, Arby and Fogel. And then once you get down the depths of the lineup, um, you know, trading Derek Ryan or, or uh, Matthias Janmark or, you know, even Devin Short, like those, those guys don't make enough money to really open up enough space to, to do much. So I would think there'd be about two trades. Um, you know, that's kind of like we've seen one, or two, a lot of deadlines with Holland. Um, yeah, four. Like if, if you're saying putting putting the bar at three and a half, that's a tough bar, I think, for this team to clear with everything going on. I think the thinking behind that number was centerman, D-man, depth winger, 
and a cap dump in there could be the wild card that might lead you to four moves. Like if they were to make a trade in the next week or so, just to activate Yamamoto, boom, that's one and maybe three at the deadline. Uh, certainly from our perspective, it's, it's possible. I hope we get, yeah. yeah, I hope we get four because it is a lot of fun to write about trades and people love it. So hopefully it's a busy month for us, DMB, and it just flies by. Uh, thanks for popping by. Thanks for hopping on the show today. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're very welcome. Anytime, Tyler. There you go. Daniel Nugent Bowman from The Athletic. Our guest line is brought to you by Star Mechanical. Starmechanical.ca is where you want to go. They have over 50 plumbers and gas fitters, 35 of which are Red Seal journeymen. You need something? Boom. Quickly, 780-481-8873. Yeah, that's 24-7 emergency services from Star Mechanical. Check them out online, starmechanical.ca. Liam, you were sitting patiently listening to that interview with Daniel Nugent Bowman. Anything that uh, he hit on that really piqued your interest? I mean, the Chikrin stuff is interesting because that seemed to die out and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. it seems to have come back a little bit more than it did before. So I don't know. It's, the other's trade deadline plans feel like such a roller coaster. I truly have no idea which direction they're going to go, if we're going around in a loop, if we're going up and down, whatever it is. But it's just something. I'm excited for this next next month or so is going to happen with the Oilers. Like this Nyquist stuff too is very interesting to me. So we'll see. Oh, we'll see what goes I- down. I think I am like getting yay close to firmly hitching my wagon to the Gustav Nyquist thing. As I sat there and thought more and more about you trade Fogel. I don't think you can trade Pugliarvi because I don't think Columbus will want him. But you trade Fogel for Nyquist. And I don't see how either side loses in that deal. In fact, I think both sides get a clear cut win unless. And listen, there is a chance. Like I could see Tampa Bay sitting there and being like, we want Gustav Nyquist and we're totally okay with LTIRing them. Like, There Mm -hmm. are other teams who are firmly in a playoff spot who could sit there and be like, yeah, we want that guy. Are they going to give you anything of substance? And if you're Columbus, would you, do you want Tampa Bay's fourth round pick or do you want a warm body that you could potentially flip at next year's deadline? Or it could just be a guy for you. could be a player for you. I don't know. I, I, I think I like the idea of Gustav Nyquist in a cap dump kind of move, even if I'm the Oilers and I got to add to it. Like if, Columbus is sitting there and is like, hey, we got some teams offering us fourth and fifths. I'd go Fogel in my fifth for him. I'd go Fogel in my fourth next year for him. I, mm. I would do a lot. I just think that could be a really unique way to build yourself some room. And Tyler Mulek says, isn't Nyquist expensive? But he's hurt for the rest of the regular season. So <laughs> Cato says, Tyler was five Bud Light Limes deep whispering trade ideas to Connor to flip to Kenny. 100%. Connor? No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> But the idea is, Tyler Mulek, that Nyquist is out for the regular season. So if you move Fogel, you bring in Nyquist, LTIR, boom, you lose Fogel's cap pick and spend that on a D-man or a forward at the deadline and then come round one of the playoffs, boom, you're ready to roll. So why not? Why not? I see nothing wrong with it. Someone just called me ignorant in the chat. And you know what? The chat blocked it. So no one else is ever going to see that comment. I'm not even going to hit show. I don't even understand what I said there. That was that crazy. Um, I don't, I yeah, don't get Lewis, that yeah. one. Yeah, I don't get that one either. It's very weird. People are talking about Cam Fowler. Listen, that guy has a no trade list that allows him to accept a deal to like three teams of his choosing. I promise you the American born defenseman who's playing in California does not have the Edmonton Oilers as one of the three teams he would accept a trade to. I don't think that's exactly a hot take either. Yeah, I can't see that one. I mean, 
the whole Jake McCabe thing too. Like apparently all yeah, the we- Canadian teams on that list are on his no trade team or whatever. So it's just tough. I don't know. I think I do think Ken Holland has what it takes to get some stuff done here. I think he's got the right piece. I and mean, you know what? It's not all down to him too. Like you got to have the pieces around him. Then the others have those pieces in place now to go and make some magic happen and uh, try and get on a deep Stanley Cup run here. Uh, QF Pro says JP and Kulak for Oli Mata leaves us with 2.375 in cap. I think that's a defensive upgrade and we can still use a pick to upgrade elsewhere. I do not. And I listen, I understand that people are frustrated with certain parts of this defense. Cody CC is in that group. Brett Kulak to some extent is in that group. I don't think you're better if you sacrifice a piece off this roster. You need eight defensemen to get through a run to the Stanley Cup Finals. You need to keep all your guys. If it means Broberg's your seventh defenseman, so be it. But I don't think you're a clear-cut better team if you acquire a D-man and move one out in the process. I know there was a lot of like, oh, you trade CC for Dumba. It's like, one, I think people have a really misconstrued idea of who Matt Dumba is as a defenseman. They remember him from junior. They remember his 50 point season and they're like, Oh, he, he can be like a barrier, a Bouchard. Listen, he's not that guy. And I, again, people want to shop, move out CC because he had a bad month. That guy was really good for us in the playoffs last year. He scored a big goal in game seven against LA, but he was good defensively and he had to play on a pairing with a one legged Darnell nurse. Like I just think people are really using this short term window of just January and letting it shape their thoughts ahead of the deadline. And I think that's risky. You know, the, the quality of competition has not been good. I get that. And maybe that's what makes struggles on the blue line from CC and Kulak even more concerning, but I just, I just don't know. I'm with you. I don't think my dumb is the guy. I, he's literally getting healthy scratched right now on the Minnesota wild. And I know people think that's because he's like a trade asset and they don't want to get him hurt. The teams just don't do that. I think players get healthy scratch because they're not playing well enough to be in the lineup and they're not helping teams win. You guys need to stop arguing and being mean to each other in the chat. So cool it on that or else I'm going to start putting, you know, I have the ability to put people in timeout. If I want to, I could just have you guys totally sit out. I think it's like 300 seconds where you can't comment. So you watch out. Everyone watch your mouth in the chat or else I'm coming with the timeout hammer. Uh, second half of the season starts tomorrow for the Oilers. Edmonton versus Detroit. The Oilers schedule, like Daniel Nugent Bowman said, it is one of the easiest road trips in the league this season. You go Detroit, Philly. John Tortorella just sent a message to their season ticket holders telling them that, hey, things aren't going well and we're in the building stage. That is a, a coach stepping up in front of the management saying, I'll take the bullet for whatever's going to happen in the next month. They're selling off. So Philly is an easy mark. Ottawa is playing better. Sure. Montreal sucks. You have three unbelievably winnable games and a fourth winnable game in Ottawa. You need to go pedal to the floor and win these things. We'll have a Sherwood Ford giant game day edition of the show tomorrow. If you want to learn more about our Sherwood Ford, boom, description of this episode on YouTube. We got a link to their website. Um, I also looked around at the schedules of some other teams. So the Oilers come out of the break, four easy games. The Seattle Kraken come out of the break tomorrow. They get the Islanders. Then they get the Devils. Then they get the Rangers. And then they go Philly. So an easy one. And then Seattle. That's their five out of the, or sorry, Winnipeg. That's their five out of the break. Four pretty tough games in there with the Islanders having just added and signed Bo Horvat. The Vegas Golden Knights go Nashville, Mini, 
Anaheim, San Jose, and Tampa. So three tough games in there with teams that are at least in the playoffs or close to the playoffs. So there are some tough, there's some tough sledding for the other teams that the Oilers are close to in the standings. This is a good opportunity to come out of the break, shake off the rust tomorrow against Detroit, and then boom, charge ahead, have a good road trip. And I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that by this time next week on Monday the 13th, I don't think it's insane to, this, to think the Oilers could be tied for first in the division. When you look at the schedules for everyone, like no. a week from now, we could be sitting here saying Oilers Nation every day, Pacific Division leading Edmonton Oilers. When it happens, that'll be the title of the show. I'll make that the title of the show when it go. happens. Because I think it's, it's very much in the play, right? Like the Oilers are right there. You just listed off the, the schedule that everyone has. Like Oilers got some, some winnable games coming up that they need to capitalize mm-hmm. on and Somebody asked, I think, in our mailbag question this week, like, what was, what are the chances? What do the Oilers need to do to, like, make the playoffs and win the division? It's like, just win your games you're supposed to win. And they've been doing that to their credit this season. Yeah, they have been. And you know what? The schedule is easy early on. Detroit, Philly, Ottawa, Montreal, Detroit again. But after that, giddy up. Rangers, Avs, Flyers again. Penguins, Blue Jackets, Bruins. Okay, you got to play some really good teams, a couple of Stanley Cup contenders in there and two other legit threats in the Rangers and Penguins. It gets tough in a hurry. So it's going to be a really hard, hard end of the month for the Oilers. It's just imperative that they start on the right foot. Let's wrap up today's show with our Betway wrap. Liam, there are two games I like tonight. One of them is taking the Tampa Bay Lightning against the Florida Panthers. I think that's a really intriguing spot. I have another one, but I want to hear your picks first. I... uh... I did something I don't usually do, Tyler. I'm going to bet the under yeah. tonight. I'm going to bet the under in a Dallas Stars-Anaheim Ducks matchup. The Stars have hit the under in five straight games. It's kind of nuts. Wow. They just like they score enough to win, and they just don't allow any. So they're just, they're just kind of a solid team all around. Anaheim, obviously, one of the weaker teams in the NHL, playing against Jake Ottinger. It's going to be tough for them to even grab anything. So I can see Dallas just... Doing the doing the business and getting it over with, and then the Rangers versus Calgary. It's Markstrom versus Halak. I still like the Rangers to beat Calgary. On honestly, at home, first game back, Halak's been fine this season. Markstrom's kind of been fine as well too. I'm just taking the better team in this matchup, and at minus one twelve, I don't think that's too bad. The Rangers have also won back to back games at home going into the All Star break. I'm I have a pick for that Stars Ducks game. Okay. I shared it on Daily Face Off Live today. I am rolling with at plus three hundred the Anaheim Ducks to beat the Dallas Stars. It's uh. we're coming out of the All Star break. Nothing matters. It is t- today is going to be I think insane across the board in the NHL. Plus three hundred in an NHL game is very good value on any team. Anyone can beat anyone. The Blue Jackets beat the Oilers as like plus three seventy five dogs. The Ducks won three in a row heading into the break and beat the Avs. The Stars have lost three in a row in overtime. Liam, plus 300 is the play. And you know what? I'm going to get, I'm I'm feeling a little frisky. Okay. Ducks (laughs) reverse puck line plus 650. Come on. Come on. I think you're a madman. As long as the under hits, I don't care. You can bet all those if you want. But I just, the Dallas Stars versus the Anaheim Ducks, I would not be putting my money on Anaheim. But if that's what that's what your heart's telling you, Tyler, then you got to go with it. 
Listen, I'm getting a team on a three-game heater at plus 300, and it's NHL hockey. I don't know. I think there's something about just betting on underdogs all the time that makes a lot of sense. So why not? Why not? Why not? Let me know how it goes. (laughs) Yeah, I I will. If that reverse puck line hits, I'm not coming into work tomorrow. Um, I will be in. Well, no, we do have a show. It's a Sherwood Ford giant game day tomorrow. Jay's going to be back for the first time in what feels like forever. I was bugging him about that earlier today. Some of you guys in the chat are... uh, are saying it's a stretch. I don't think it's a stretch. I don't think it's a stretch at all. Come on. Um, Loomis says we need four more likes in the chat to get to a Dylan Holloway number of likes. Yeah, hammer that like button right now before we leave on the show. Let's see if we can get that number going up a little bit here. Uh, big shout out to Daniel Nugent Bowman for joining us on the show. It was a pleasure getting to chat with him. Short for game day tomorrow. Three big things for Montana's the day after. Frank Saravalli should be around on that Wednesday for his hit. So that'll be great. But man, it feels good to say that we are 29 hours away. 29 or 30 hours away from an Edmonton Oilers hockey game. Mm-hmm. Feels good. Feels good. Liam, we'll chat about that and more tomorrow. New episode of Real Life coming up this afternoon as well. Enjoy your Monday, everyone. Enjoy the fact there's NHL hockey. And we'll chat tomorrow. 